Our text this evening will be taken from the the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 32 and 33. That's Luke 17, verses 32 and 33. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Why was Jesus advising his disciples not to forget what happened to Lot's wife? You know, in life, we don't ever want to give up. We don't ever want to turn back. And we want to keep going forward. We have to realize our goal is heaven. The young people and also some young men during youth camp sang a song, Jerusalem. The lyrics mention walking on the streets that are golden, where the lion lay down by the lamb, and how John saw the day but not did not see night. That is our promise. We want to make heaven our home, and we want to make sure we don't turn back. A few months ago, we, uh, my family and me, we went on a, a hike. The hike was Hamilton Mountain. I had never hiked that before, to be completely honest. I, I really just started hiking this year. Didn't know a lot about hiking. And uh, the hike itself, it was called a, the type of hike, they called it a, a lollipop loop. I didn't even really know what that meant, so we started to hike it. And as we were heading up that mountain, it was quite a mountain actually, and uh, there was a few people starting to, to pass us up. But we went for quite a ways, and it wasn't a real well-marked trail. At times, I realized that we would go this way, and some of the trails would just kind of come together. But we reached a point where I hadn't seen anybody for a very long time. And I started worrying and thinking I must have taken a wrong turn. So at that point, I decided probably the best thing to do was to turn back and head back. Well, the reason I I hadn't seen anyone is because it was a lollipop loop, which meant it went up. It went around and then came back down. So the people that I saw that were passing me, the reason I never saw them coming back is because they had made the complete loop. You know, that's a silly story that we turn back, but our spiritual walk, we want to make sure that we have our eyes on heaven and that we do not turn back. The background here on this example here with Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and the disciples. 
And the Pharisees asked him, When will the kingdom of God come? He answered them, It will be like the days of Noah. People in those days were living their lives as they always did. Luke 17, 27, they did eat, they drank. They enjoyed their entertainment. Often when we visit a city that maybe we have never visited before, one of the first things we do is we we go online and we check out what are the most popular spots to visit. Why? Because we enjoy entertainment. And people in those days also enjoyed entertainment. It says that an average person will spend 11 years of their lives on a screen watching our favorite shows and catching up on our social media accounts. It's a lot of time entertaining ourselves, but we enjoy as a people entertainment, just like they did in the days of Noah. It also said they married wives and they were given in marriage right up to the day that Noah entered the boat. We know that the flood came and it destroyed all of them. Most of us on average will only spend about 20 minutes per day serving God. We actually spend more time eating and drinking than we will serving the Lord. You know, we want to make sure that we spend a lot more time serving the Lord or spending time in God's Word and on our knees praying than we find ourselves spending so much time in entertainment. Genesis 6 tells us that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and we also know that he walked with God. Second Peter 2.5, Peter refers Noah as a preacher of righteousness. The word preacher is translated herald, meaning Noah was entrusted with making public proclamations. We don't know exactly what Noah preached, but we do know that the world at that time was very corrupt in the sight of God. And we know that it was full of violence. The last part of Genesis 6-5 reads, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Noah had built an ark. It was 450 feet long. It was 75 feet wide. And it was 45 feet high. You know, this was one way that Noah was preaching to those unbelievers in that world. I believe that every log that he chopped and every dow that maybe he nailed into that boat was a call to those people of repentance. Have you ever ran into an old friend, maybe a neighbor at the store, And you ask them, how are you doing? You might even ask them, how's life? 
And often the response that we get today, they will say, busy, really, really busy. You know, so many people today in our life is living life at 100 miles an hour. And they feel very burnt out. You know, what's even more interesting to me. We live in a society that people even brag how busy they are. But at that same time as they are bragging how busy they are, they are complaining how busy they are. We want to make sure that we are not too busy for the Lord. And we want to commit time to him. You know, the devil, he loves to keep us busy. Why? Because this cuts off our connection to God. This also can cut our connection off of church attendance, off a of church. And we know it is important for us to come together in fellowship with believers. You know, we need to make sure that every single day that we commit time and that we focus and enjoy that time with the Lord and with our Savior. Jesus also replied, it will be like the days of Lot. You know, just like the days of Noah, the day of the days of Lot, people were living their lives as they always did. It said that they went on with their daily business. Genesis 18:20 And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because of their sin is very grievous. That word there, very, means abundance. Grievous, to be heavy, weighty, or burdensome. You know, the Lord and Abraham were having a conversation here. When he heard that they were, he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around about, Abraham and the Lord, and the Lord let Abraham know that if you can find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare them. And we know that that number went down, down, and down. And what's so sad that they finally reach, if you can just find 10 people that are righteous in Sodom, I will spare their life. What's sad is they weren't able to find 10 righteous people in the whole city. You know, Isaiah 5.20, it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That puts darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know, in the world today, I, I often say, I feel like that we live just as this verse says. Good is now called bad. And bad, or should I say bad, is called good. And good is now called evil. When you live a, a Christian light, life and you live in the light, the world likes to portray you as darkness. And as you live in darkness and you live in sin, the world tries to portray those people as the light. You know, that's exactly what was going here in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. You know, people, they were ignoring the signs around them. 
And they were just carrying on with their day-to-day business. Genesis 19:17 God basically at this point God had commanded not to look back. He lets Lot's wife know this or Lot's wife did look back. And sadly we know that she turned into a pillar of salt. God had safely delivered her, but her heart was still back there. In Sodom. What do we know about Sodom? Jude 1 7 gives us a little bit of a background on this. It says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, give them, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. You know, Jude here is reminding us not to forget Sodom and Gomorrah. The people at that time were filled with sexual immortality. And because of this life, they were destroyed with the fire. Ezekiel 16:49 also gives us a background of what Sodom looked like. It says, behold, this was the iniquity of the sister Sodom says pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did the strength neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. The people of Sodom at that time they were filled with pride. The devil loves pride. Because when we are proud or we have pride in our life, we don't think we need God. We need Christ. The only way to heaven is when we can admit we need Christ in our life. It also uses the word gluttony. You know, we can be, you could also turn that into anything like entertainment or anything that you spend a lot of time doing and not spending time doing what you should be doing. And we know that is spending a lot more time serving the Lord and laziness. You know, the Lord, he doesn't want us to be lazy. He wants us to be motivated. He wants us to be strong in our Christian walk. You know, the reality of it is we cannot serve the world and at the same time serve God. It just can't work that way. We need to make sure that we are serving God only and not serving or spending too much time in the things of the world. You know, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Truly, Jesus is coming back. And really, the warning here, just like destruction was for Sodom and Gomorrah, we are living in those same days. It says here in John 14, 1 through 3, It says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That there where I am, there ye may be also. 
Jesus here is instructing us not to worry about the timing of the second coming of the Lord. If we are saved, we don't have to worry about that. The Lord wants our efforts and our time spending as many people about Jesus as we can and his saving power. You know, we have a, when we get saved, we have a testimony. And I always say one of the most powerful things that we have is that testimony. We need to let our testimony and our light shine in the world today. And we need to preach Christ and the love of Christ. You know, the coming of the Lord is something we should be excited about. You think about that. For thousands of years, people have been waiting for the coming of the Lord. And I truly believe that we are living in the days that Jesus will return. What's an exciting thing to think that our generation could be the time that we see Jesus return. Verse 2 It says we need to remember that we have a home in heaven and that he is preparing a place specifically for you and he is preparing a place for me. Heaven. Jesus is coming back soon. I know people have been saying this for a very long time. As a kid, I used to sit here and it actually would scare me. Because I wasn't saved and they would be preaching about the Lord returning. But I can tell you, or this gives me hope. I just know that we're just that much closer today for the Lord to return. One last verse here in James 1.8. It says, a double-minded man is unstable unstable in all his ways. So many people today are dividing their time between God and they're dividing their time between the world. James is letting us know here that we should not do that. And if we do, we'll be unstable. We will not be where Christ wants us to be. We want to make sure that we are not 50%, 75%, not even 99% committed to Christ. We want to make sure that we are 100% committed to Christ. The only way we're going to make heaven our home is if we are 100% committed to Christ. You can't kind of be saved. You can't almost be saved You can only either be saved or not saved. We need to be 100% committed in our walk with the Lord. I want to end with a, a a little story here. This year for spring break, my family, we went to Disney World. And there is a, a, a ride there. It's called Mission Space. It allows the or it allows it to feel like an astronaut launching to Mars. It even simulates the speed and g forces of an air or a spacecraft. I generally wouldn't say I, I learned something from a, a Disneyland ride, 
But I can say on this ride, I, I learned two things. The first thing I learned was there was a lot of warning signs. And I did not heed to those warning signs. Everywhere I looked, there was signs that said, if you have problem with motion sickness, do not go on this ride. And as we stood in, in the line, and right before we were going to enter in or go on this ride, the lady came out one last final time, and I, I'm, I'm there with Diana, Hannah, and Ezra. The lady came out one final time and said, if anybody has a problem with motion sickness, you do not want to go on this ride. There was only one smart person in my family. I can say that wasn't me. It was my wife, Diana. She decided at that point she was done. She was not going to go on that ride. And as we, uh, they put us on that ride, I realized that we sat down and I looked by my feet and there was uh, barf bags. The very first time I had ever seen barf bags on a ride. So at that point, I, I started to worry myself. Before I knew it, the, uh, the thing kind of came in tight up against our, our body. At that time, I really, I, I started to panic, but I knew I had to stay strong for the kids. So I didn't give in showing that I was nervous. One of them wanted to get off. I said, no, we're good. I said, there's a lot of good, cool air here. We'll, we'll be fine. In my mind, I wasn't sure about that, but I knew it was only going to be about two minutes. But you know, as that ride started to take off or simulate that it was taking off, at least I remember one thing. The lady said, do not close your eyes and do not look around. She said, make sure your eyes are open and always look straight ahead. I'm glad I did that because I can tell you right off the bat, I didn't know if I was going to make it, but it was too late. I couldn't get off at that point. But I think spiritually the point is we want to make sure that our eyes are open. We want to make sure that we're focused on heaven and that we are going straight ahead. And we want to make sure that we don't give up. You know what? There are, there are going to, we heard in testimony, there are going to be mountains. There's going to be valleys. That is the reality of our spiritual walk. It isn't always going to be easy. That's going to happen. But you know what? We do not want to look back. We want to remember that we are heading from earth to heaven. And that is our goal as Christians today. You know, maybe you have fallen down and maybe you have given up today. You know what? We serve a merciful God. You know, I had found myself at in my early 20s in a backslidden state. But I am thankful that I remember a, a Sunday school teacher saying that when you get to the point that you don't feel conviction anymore, you're in dangerous ground. And I remember getting to a point in my life where I didn't feel bad anymore. And you know what? That really, really scared me. And you know what? Because of that, that drawed me back to God. And I remember going back down and I remember my prayer. I said, Lord, if you save me one last time, I promise you I'll serve you the rest of my life. And you know what? I am thankful that we serve the God 
that he came down and he saved me one last time. And I kept that promise. You know, we have that opportunity tonight. It doesn't matter where you are spiritually. We have an opportunity to come down these altars, lay our life out before him, and he can make a change in our life today. May God bless you as we sing page 656.